Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your host, Anne Remy. I'm a counseling psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and trauma specialist living in Brighton, UK. On this show, we interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. But we're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level, from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the shit show of my voice. I'm still sick because this is the same day that we recorded the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you sound a little bit better than you did 20 minutes ago. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. Maybe your voice is just a little warmer. Yeah. Well, hopefully your parents or your mom can tell our voices apart. I thought about that. (laughs) I was like, well, at least my family's going to know which one of us is which. My brother told me to say that we don't sound alike. Thank you. He's confused as to why our family cannot figure out which one of us is which, but he can. Okay. So he's better than them is what he's saying. (laughs) I have to laugh like a weirdo right now like I'm either like or because I can't like do my real laugh just sounds like a cartoon I know it's the best way to like laugh without lean into a yeah (laughs) lean into being a cartoon I try to laugh normal I have to cough Mm. how are you man I'm do you know what feeling pretty good today good the sun is out and it hasn't been out very often so we're celebrating that. Did you guys get a crazy heat wave or was that just the US? No, no, that was the rest of Europe. Oh, wow. The whole of Europe got a crazy heat wave and I was hiking in Slovenia during it. So oh, that was no. Super great. But there was some sort of jet stream situation okay. over the UK where it was just cold and rainy. Interesting. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, I'll never understand how people don't believe that climate change is real, but whatever. Let's wax poetic about today's episode. So, yeah. oh, oh, you know what I didn't do? I didn't do the thing you didn't I'm supposed to do. tell us where we can get our merch. Yes. Okay. So, thank you for listening to the podcast. Listeners are amazing and wonderful, and we don't want anything from you, except if you want to, you know, help us out with a little cash here and there. Three things you can do. Well, actually, two things for money. Um, you can buy merch. <laughs> I don't, honestly, it's not about the money. We do this for the love of it, but every little bit helps. So you can buy merch. We've got some lovely t-shirts on tinyurl.com slash CWH merch from the fine folks at T Public. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, which is super duper helpful. And we've had some lovely reviews lately that have mentioned Anne. So we would love for you to tell Anne how much you love her. That's me. That's her. And then you could support us on patreon.com slash convos with a wounded healer. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month. I mean, truthfully, you can just donate a dollar because you could go on, do it for a dollar a month and then cancel it after that. We're fine with that. Whatever. If you send us a dollar, we will send you a welcome gift that is definitely worth more than a dollar. So there you go. If you want to support us now. Now. Now let's wax poetic. Okay. Yes. So. I spoke with Mindy McCord. She's the co-founder of Siren Shrubs. And Mm -hmm. there's been a sober curious movement happening throughout at least the US Mm -hmm. recently. Oh, no, it's here too. Oh, it's here too. Oh, here too. Mm -hmm. It's in the UK too. Cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And so shrubs have become popular because it's basically like a vinegary drink. Fucking delicious. I connected with 
Siren because my consultant, Aggie, works with them. She's their consultant. They were on her podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what is it called? It used to be called Badass Leaders. But anyway, so we'll have to put that in the show notes. So anyway, I just, first of all, a lot has been shifting for me around what it mm-hmm. means to be a business owner in a mm-hmm. in an ethical way, to be a female mm-hmm. business owner and to do business, not just like a woman doing a business like a man, but doing it actually mm-hmm. in a in a feminine driven way mm-hmm. from a more female energy. And so I know you had some thoughts on that. I certainly have some thoughts too, but I, I really want to hear what you've been thinking about based on this conversation. Yeah, it's funny because when you started talking with Mindy, I was like, I think you said something like, oh, this may be a non-traditional healing medium. And I was, I thought this was going to go down the route of no, gut microbiome. Mm. Like kombucha is really big for this too. And I thought we were going to go down the gut microbiome and how that changes this and your mental health and da da da. So I was like, this makes perfect sense to me. But then when you started talking about business, I was like, oh no, this also makes perfect sense to me. Because as somebody who is starting my own small business, it's a very intimidating world. And Mindy touches on that. Yep. And I have all these great big ideas and, you know, I think about, well, okay, well, I could do that, but that would be very expensive for me to do on my own. And I don't have tons of funds to just start like going after all these ideas and like, do I want to get a venture capitalist involved? Sarah shakes her head vigorously. No. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah says no. But these are the kinds of things that, and I don't know shit about venture capitalism. And I also don't want to do the business. Right. (laughs) I want to be the the ideas and the the product essentially, but I I don't want to create a business plan and like charts and projections. No, that is not. I don't. That's not. We don't become therapists because we're good at that shit. No. So what was really helpful for me in this conversation is hearing another woman or women who have also gone through this kind of like stumbling process of how do we manage this? How do we manage it ethically? Yeah. How do we let our ideas kind of naturally evolve? And who do we want involved in this? Like consciously choosing who to get involved, not just like, let's reach out to these guys or these guys or let these people buy us out. Right. Right. Because then someone else has control over your brand and who you are and how you are. Right. Right. And I know you've you've done that. You've been through this. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that's exactly what I went through when thinking about selling head heart. You know, like, I mean, I still get three to four emails a day from some venture capital person asking if I want to sell the business, even though it's already been sold. So I could have mm-hmm. I could have probably made a million dollars selling the business, but I didn't. Like for me, it wasn't about the money. It was about continuing the legacy. And Rael Mm -hmm. is the person who could continue the legacy that I started and make it better. Whereas Mm -hmm. venture capital would just, they would whitewash everything. They would make it Mm -hmm. streamlined. And that's not, Mm -hmm. I don't, that's not how I see therapy. And it's just made me think about, you know, and working with my consultant, Aggie, we can do it differently. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've still been kind of incubating what it is that I'm doing now that I'm consulting. Mm-hmm. But I, at the essence, I want to help therapists heal. And I think mm-hmm. that the biggest impact I can have is working with therapy businesses and helping the business heal so that the therapists who work within the business can do the work that they're meant to do, like you're talking about, you know? Yeah. 
there's so many things that get in the way of it. And like, like I said, I'm still incubating. And so like once things are kind of crystallized for me, I'll kind of come out with all of the, mm-hmm. the ways that I think I can help people. But it's just, it's so interesting to find myself in this position where, I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would consider a business consultant, a healer, I would have been like, you're stupid. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And now I'm like, no, for a, for a business owner, especially one who doesn't have a business degree, it is the most healing thing. Mm. Yeah, I think because so much of it opens up issues of like self-esteem and self-confidence, oh, yeah. especially as a woman, it's like, yep. okay, well, I'm not Mr. Businessman. And like, yep. I mean, I look real cute in a suit. I'm not gonna lie. But like, I, that's not what I'm trying to wear in my life. And like, right. when I think about the idea of like presenting a business, and who I would be presenting it to, right. something inside of me feels really wobbly. Yeah. And so the idea of having a consultant in the way that it was described in this episode, in the way you describe it, almost sounds like an advocate. Yeah. Yes. And, and someone who's working with that wobbly bit rather yeah. than just being like, here's how you're going to maximize this exactly. and circle back to pinging someone about this and, yeah. you know, it's an advocate for that wobbly bit inside. Yeah. Well, when Rael and I initially reached out to this consulting firm to have a consultant, we said it either needs to be a queer person or a person of color because we just knew right off the bat that somebody having some sort of marginalized identity would understand the way that we think about the world instead of just yeah. like, I was like, no straight white men, like no offense dudes, but like, I just didn't trust that anybody was going to get where we were coming from. And, you know, Aggie was like, I'm gay, I'm queer. And because we were like, we want to approach business from an anti-capitalist framework. We don't want to decide how much money we want to make and then like figure it all out from there. Like, obviously, there was there's a lot of overhead that we had to make sure that we were covering. But like, we wanted to make sure that the person guiding us was going to guide us with our values instead of the mm-hmm. almighty dollar being the, the end all be all value. Yeah. And I think that's, it's healing just to hear someone else who's taken that approach yeah. rather than just going, it would be easy to walk away with a lot of money. And it's, I mean, I recognize it's a privilege to be able to choose. Yeah. I'm going to make less money because of my principles, but right. it's nice to see that people are doing that and that it can be done that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gosh, there's like specifically in the business of mental health, there's, there is a shift happening right now that's exciting and scary at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I think on one hand, venture capital is trying to come in and make a lot of money off of a lot of people's suffering. That's really scary. But at the same time, a lot of people are recognizing like, I can build my own thing. I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's really that's really cool. I was actually, I was thinking when I was driving this morning, I'm like, what if everybody just owned their own business? Then I was like, wait, then we would probably just go back to bartering. <laughs> that sounds pretty damn great. <laughs> they say that Gen Z is all, look. they're all looking to run their own business or be right. their own thing. And like, so we're going to find out what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Yeah, my first reaction is like, well, not everybody can run their own business. Somebody's going to have to work. It's like, we're all working. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Shifts, major, major shifts in consciousness are happening right now in the world. And change is scary. And I think that's why 
that's one of the reasons why there's so much suffering right now is because everybody's feeling mm-hmm. this precipice of change and and not yeah. sure what to do. I, I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. to do except connect with yourself and figure out what is it that brings you joy? What is it that makes you happy? Is there any way that you can do that in your life? Mm-hmm. And again, there's privilege there, but um, mm-hmm. it's worth asking the questions yeah. rather than just shutting yourself down and assuming there's nothing that you can do to be happy. You just have to work for the man. And that sounds like someone I would want to work with. I know, right? As an advocate. OMG. Why, thanks. <laughs> well, let me introduce Mindy. We've totally like kind of gotten off track, but also not. So yeah. I was supposed to speak with both Mindy and Lane of mm-hmm. Siren Shrub, but Lane was not able to join us. So Mindy is representing the both of them. So Mindy McCord is the co-founder of Siren Shrub Co., which is a woman-owned values-led beverage company. They're on a mission to create space at the table for everyone, regardless of their drinking preference. So please enjoy my lovely conversation with Mindy McCord. Hello, therapists. Does the word finance make you want to run and hide? We get it. We didn't learn this stuff in school. So join business consultant Aggie Shajinsky and me for a live interactive workshop designed specifically for therapist business owners. Gain valuable insights into financial literacy and begin to build confidence in your business management skills. This fun and engaging workshop will equip you with essential tools to understand the numbers and address the emotions surrounding your business finances while staying connected to anti-capitalist values. Don't miss this opportunity to enhance your financial knowledge and improve your practice. Tuesday, October 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. Registration is donation-based and 100% of donations will go directly to Sista Afia Community Care in Chicago. To register, visit tinyurl.com slash therapist finance. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash therapist finance. Hello, Mindy. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Thanks for having me. Hello, hello. Yeah, we have a different episode today because you maybe are somebody that people wouldn't necessarily think of as a healer, but I have a feeling, I don't know, I just looked at your stuff and was like, hmm, I don't know. There feels like there's something there to me, and I'm usually right about that. So you're not in the mental health field at all. Nope. At all. Not at all. Yeah. And Mm -mm. we met through Aggie who is my yes. consultant. I love her so much. Is she, are you guys just friends or is she a consultant? We did a podcast. Uh, we were on their podcast and got it. then we got connected yeah, to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just adore Aggie. So I know she's listening to this episode. Yeah. Is like, finally, I get the shout out I deserve. <laughs> yeah. And she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And now we're Instagram Yay! friends. So it's fun. It's fun to be connected. Yeah. Well, do you want to introduce yourself to listeners and tell them who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Mindy McCord. I am the co-founder with my best friend, Lane Cozzolino of Siren Shrub Company. We craft tangy apple cider vinegar mixers using sustainable ethical practices. We have a value-led women-owned beverage company. And the way you use shrub is a splash at a time in whatever you like to drink with or without alcohol. That is a wonderful elevator speech. Good (laughs) job. You have practiced that. I've said it a few times. Yes, yes. So, okay. I know... 
the only thing I know about the like food and beverage industry is from being a waitress, you know, a handful of times in my life. Yeah. That's it. That's all I know. Okay. Which is a lot, to be fair. It's a lot more than some people, well, sure. right? Yeah, that's true. You get a real behind the scenes. That's look. true. Yeah. My my husband never waited tables. And I was like, I kind of think we all should at some point in our lives. I think that's like, that should be a rule in the United States, right? Because, I mean, he's a nice guy, so he doesn't treat servers poorly. But I remember my dad wouldn't even tip like he would like leave a dollar tip and i'm like do you not know they make 213 an hour he's like what right like yeah perspective totally yeah (laughs) so tell us how this began because i love that you're two bffs and you're like we're gonna make shrubs tell us all about it yeah it's been quite the journey so back in 2010 lane moved to this tiny town in wisconsin called stevens point which is where we live she never had plans to stay but we have a university here in town and she was going to grad school and i worked at a local coffee shop here eventually she worked at that local coffee shop Mm -hmm. with me on the kitchen side And we formed a friendship around food. We love to can and ferment and make Mm. together. So our friendship blossomed in the kitchen. Fast forward, we continued that through line through our friendship. And we did farmer's markets making jams and jellies Mm. and salsas and things like that for many years. And then we started to have families and careers and things just changed. And we were still spending our time at these farmer's markets on the weekends and Time wasn't such a free commodity anymore. And so we like had to have this moment of like, what are what are we doing? And like, why are we doing it? But we both had such a passion and a love for local food and producing. And when Lane became pregnant, she discovered shrubs as an alcohol replacement. And because we were in the farmer's market scene, we like just, you know, gravitated towards it and started making them and sampling them at a farmer's market. And people were like so intrigued. And we were giving people like a new experience, which is a really fun thing and a privilege to be able to do that. Right. And so they had no idea what shrub was. Some people just absolutely loved it. Most people did. Some people were a little not on the Mm -hmm. vinegar train, so they didn't. But we felt like we were really on to something. And so we decided to ditch the jams and salsas and gravitate towards shrub. And then a year later, Lane quit her job as an executive director of a nonprofit and jumped on full-time with Siren Shrub Company and started to grow it. And so she was really our our base and our our core. And mm. she built all these systems and like uh, really launched us with the best foot forward. And I got to join full time in 2021. Mm. And we'll just note that Lane is dealing with some family stuff right now. And so she couldn't be here today. Yes. But all of the love goes out to her and love and support. So yeah. send the vibes if you're listening right now. Love <laughs> and support. And I'll be sure to talk a lot about yeah, it, I'm sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what for folks who don't know, what is what is shrub? And it's not a shrub. It's shrub. Shrub. Yes, it is not the plant that grows in front of your house, (laughs) (laughs) which a lot of people think, which is fair. That's the more popular. I don't want to drink that. It is the drinking kind. No, you do not. So a shrub is actually from the 1800s. It's a way people used to preserve the season's bounty before it's Hmm. spoiled. They would put their fruits and veggies and herbs in a sugar and apple cider vinegar or any vinegar syrup. And then they would can that and put it away and then bring it to the public houses to add to their drinks or to the their water in the farm fields. So it's actually from a very long time ago. It went away with refrigeration Mm. and then came back with the craft cocktail movie. I was just going to say, why did it go away? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's it's got a really interesting history. And at its most simplest form, it's a tangy, simple syrup that you add to whatever you Mm -hmm. like to drink. And because it has 
cider vinegar in it, it gives you this really adult, complex, interesting mm-hmm. flavor. So you do not necessarily need to add alcohol to it. Mm-hmm. And so we found a cool opportunity in the sober curious and mindful yeah. drinking and sober communities. Yeah, I, I'd be really interested to hear more about that because addiction is my was my initial specialty as a therapist. Oh, okay. yeah. And so I've just found it so interesting about the sober curious movement. Yeah, I we are like big fans. So when we first started, if I'm being vulnerable and honest, we didn't know how to navigate mm-hmm. that. We thought for sure we we had come up with a cocktail mixer mm. only. And we started to realize because Lane discovered shrubs when she was pregnant and wasn't drinking alcohol, we, like things started to click. Okay, I should I should back up and say that we are from Wisconsin, which is like the heaviest drinking state. Is it really? <laughs> United States is one of the top five. Oh, I didn't sure. realize that. How in- I mean, Anheuser Busch, right? Yeah, right. Because we have a mm-hmm. huge brewing wow. culture here. So those Germans. Yes. So we are. Yeah, we're up against like a lot of different things here in Wisconsin and in our industry, at least. So we didn't know how to navigate that. We didn't know those two things could exist in the same place. And and we are so lucky to have been connected to these wonderful mentors and leaders in the sober communities that were like, we don't need you to not to just cater to us. We just want to be included. And we were like, oh, Right. And that changed our whole perspective and our whole business model and also our own personal relationships with alcohol, realizing that it doesn't have to be about the extremes necessarily. But our mission is now to create space at the table for everybody, regardless of their drinking preference. So we are real big advocates for just creating space, Uh, whether somebody wants to drink alcohol or not isn't the point. The point is that we're giving them something awesome to drink regardless. So how did it change? I'm really curious. Like, what was it before? And then now you've got this, like, we're creating space for everyone at the table. Yeah, I think before it was just we thought that it was a cocktail mixer and only. And I, I think because of the where we live, mm-hmm. alcohol is always in your face and it, all, it there's a lot of stigma and it doesn't feel it didn't feel at the time like those two that we could promote both at the Mm. same time. And we've learned a lot by listening and also examining our own relationships with alcohol and how it, how it shows up in our life. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you willing to talk about that at all? Because I think that it, I mean, you know, I have a friend who was on the podcast before and talked about like gray area drinking, quote unquote. And Mm -hmm. that's really like, you're not an alcoholic, but it's not really working for you. And I mean, when we think about the the food and beverage industry, holy shit, is there so much addiction in that industry? So much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy to talk about that. So I think being from Wisconsin again, (laughs) can I just be on repeat? Cheesehead. Yeah. I mean, high school, college, there has been drinking throughout the whole thing. And it's very normalized, right? So it doesn't feel like it's a problem because everybody around you is doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think as I became an adult with, and I have kids and I started to like think about how alcohol was showing up in my life and how I never even really thought about Mm. it. It was a very mindless act for me. I would just Mm -hmm. grab and it wasn't necessarily that I was drinking too much or too little. I just wasn't being conscious of what I was doing at all. I was just doing. And so now I think about it and I'm mindful of like, well, I want to have options, A, and I'm mindful of like, why? If I'm right. going for a beer or a glass of wine, why am I doing it? And and what is my goal? And like, oftentimes it stops me just from drinking in general mm-hmm. because I don't, or sometimes I'll have a glass of wine because I just want to enjoy the flavors and the mm-hmm. taste or, 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 right. Mm-hmm. But I'm like thinking about it. And for me, that's a big shift in, in my relationship with alcohol yeah. is just to be mindful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, 
I don't know anything about intuitive eating other than like little things that I've read. But I think that's that's sort of the goal with intuitive eating as well is just like creating creating a relationship with your body to understand what is it that my body is asking for right now rather than just mm-hmm. going for whatever thing. And my big issue is like, I, this is what I have at these times. You see me drinking my Diet Coke here. I have... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me and Diet Coke have a very close relationship. It's very abusive. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I really want to replace it with shrubs. I'm just thinking like, where were those markets that I can go get Siren Shrub again? We'll send you some. We'll get you, you'll get some shrubs in your hand, but it may not replace your Diet Coke. But I like Diet Coke too. So. But it's kind of poison. I mean, alcohol is also poison. Yeah. So shrub, clearly right. shrubs totally, are the best. Right? Shrub. Just shrub. Yeah. Just shrub. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Well, where did where did the name Siren come from? I'm curious. Yeah. So it's kind of a funny story. So naming a company was really challenging. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you've had some experience with that. Right. And like you want to get it right. And it's like kind of a big, a big deal. So we just kept throwing things at the wall. And uh, so Siren came up because we uh, used to participate in a, a canoe paddling adventure challenge that was like a bunch of is on the Wisconsin River. And there's hundreds of people that show up for it. And it's kind of like a scavenger hunt but also a canoe race. And there's all these mythical characters out on islands in the Wisconsin River. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Pretty fun. So you stop and play all these challenges and games and you look for like clues and and it's a three-day event. And it happens right here in Stevens Point. You can look it up. It's called Paddle Quest. And we were participants for a couple of years. And then we were like, we want to try the other side of this. We want to be characters. We want to be mythical creatures. And we wanted to represent women. And so we were like, we're going to be the sirens of the backwater. I love it. So we did that for a year and we actually like that was in the era where we were at farmers markets sampling shrubs. So we we brought shrubs to share with mm-hmm. people there too to try. And then it just just one day it was just like Siren Shrub just had a really nice ring mm. to it. And then we thought about being a women owned uh-huh. company and strength. And historically, shrubs are said to come over on the sea. Oh. So there was just like a lot of things that felt right. And so we that's that's how kind of a goofy story but that's that's how I it love that and I think there's something too like you know tempting about right because that's the whole myth of the yep. sirens lure right it's kind of like the opposite of alcohol <laughs> yep. right like I'm gonna lure you in with this very intoxicating beverage that's not actually intoxicating it won't right. kill you right like, <laughs> you won't get pulled over for drinking it <laughs> totally. that should be your motto you're welcome Siren Shrub, you won't get pulled over for drinking it. (laughs) Yes, love it. (laughs) Writing it down now. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me a little (laughs) bit about being a female-owned business in this industry that can, it's probably often male-dominated, especially when we're talking about like the alcohol industry. Yeah, no, for sure. I love talking about this. So when we first got started, I think when you're looking at beverages in like a cooler or like at your grocery store or wherever you get your beverages, a lot of them are really feminine, right? And floral Mm. and beautiful. And the packaging is really alluring. And so in our minds, maybe a little naive at that time, we were like, there's women in the, there's, there's a significant amount of women in the industry because I am gravitating towards, right, with its marketing. So we, we learned really quickly that this is an incredibly male dominant field. There's a lot of lovely men in the field, but it's incredibly male-dominated yeah. field. And um, sometimes it's hard to chisel out place yeah. in it if, if we're being honest. And, and we have to fight for, it seems like, most everything that we want to be taken seriously. So it comes with a lot of 
challenges being women in the industry um, and showing up in spaces that we're not necessarily <laughs> invited into or people are surprised mm-hmm. by or, or, or. Yeah, yeah. Have you run up against anything like in particular that just like made you riled up? Yeah. 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 Tell, tell us the I dirt. Mean, there's, there's little <laughs> things that happen. <laughs> like just the other day, we had a freight truck come pick up. We have pallets that get delivered out of and they're heavy. They're like thousands of mm-hmm. pounds, but we have pallet jacks and stuff to help us do the work. And they'll pull up and typically they need help loading them into the trucks. And and they always ask, the men always ask if there's anybody there that can help them get it into the truck when we're, stand, when we're standing right there. So that's just wow. like a silly like thing that happens quite often. But in a bigger sense, we once pitched to a distribution company based in the Chicago area. And we showed up with our A game in place and all our samples and our whole pitch and our margins are, are they're good. They are good. And I'm not trying to brag, but they're good. And so we walked in feeling mm-hmm. confident and that confidence was met with a lot of questioning. And that entire meeting ended up being about us walking this gentleman through our margins because he didn't believe that they were good and he was going to teach us something. He was going to show us that we were doing it wrong. And by the end of the meeting, they were right. And he had to eat his words. And then he's, he didn't want to pick us up, which we obviously didn't want to partner with that company at that point either. And as we were walking out, he goes, well, I hope that I did something here to help you. I wish I could have helped you with something. And Lane looks at him and says, well, we just know that this isn't the right fit. So you helped us learn that. Wow. <laughs> that. That's how we left the meeting. But you get met with that. A lot, a lot of assumptions just based on us yeah. being women and, and and young women. Yeah. yeah. Young right. women. Right. And so we are not credible before we even walk right. in the room. And like I it was like we wasted our time and took a three hour drive to go there to for what, right? And I think we've learned to be more careful and ask more questions yeah. before we enter mm-hmm. even explore the relationship like we start to we ask we've learned we've Mm -hmm, learned a lot mm -hmm. (laughs) through the process of of those moments but those moments i mean are a horse of peace wow and for those of us who don't know what the term margin means oh sure yes thank you that means how much money you make on your product at the end of the the profit so like once distributors take a little bit out and like the different things that take Uh away from your profit yeah what's left over after all is said and done yeah And I'm not surprised to hear that a Chicago person, because like Chicago is so, there is like mafia energy in a lot of the industries. And that's very like, I know this way and this is how it's going to be. And let me tell you, little lady, like, oh my God, that's infuriating. Yeah, that day it was definitely, that was the feel. Wow. Wow. (laughs) But I'm sure there are actually good good people in Chicago. There are. And we have so many lovely distributor partners and like people that we partner with in Chicago. And yeah, but there are moments where you just really, I mean, and and some of it too is like all your insecurities bubble over Mm -hmm, in that moment, mm -hmm. right? You're like, yeah, you start questioning yourself, even though you know, and like, yeah, I mean, just thinking about because being in the addiction industry, it's also a male dominated field, even though therapy and counseling in general is female dominated. Addiction specifically is male. And I remember the first like real addiction treatment center job that I got, somebody wagging their finger in my face and saying, you should act as if you're a student. (laughs) And my supervisor was like, no, like we hired you to do this job. Like we hired you because you know what you're doing. And it, I didn't feel And I don't know how much of this was me or how much of it was just the what I was dealing with with the people I was working with at the time. But like when I turned 35, I was like, 
all right, I am no longer a young person. You have to take me seriously. And I was like ready to like be like, no, no, no. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) But I had to turn 35. I don't know why that was the number for me. That was Mm -hmm. the age. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that there's something to that though. I feel, I mean, I'm 36 Uh now and Lane is in her 40s. And there is, there's just more, you feel like you can at least leave that piece. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Now in my 40s, I'm definitely like, okay, young person in front of me, even if you're 39. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's all relative. (laughs) It's really funny. Thinking of starting your own private practice? Join me for a two-day in-person training, providing what you need to start your own practice on November 9th and 10th in Chicago. The thought of running your own practice can be scary for some, but with a few expert tips, it can be a breeze. This NASW course will provide an overview of what you need to start and maintain a private practice. It will be an action-packed two days where you'll learn the business 101s, build your brand, and create a marketing plan. Participants will leave the course with sample forms, actionable next steps to build a thriving business, and 12 CEUs. The cost is $159 for NASW members and $199 for non-members. Visit tinyurl.com slash NASW private practice to register. That's tinyurl.com slash NASW private practice. Well, tell us more about being an ethical, quote unquote, ethical business. We've got a labor movement happening right now that is so good for workers and for small businesses can be really challenging in order to, because we know like to quote unquote, have good margins, right? If that's the term we're using, look at me with business terms. (laughs) Good job. It's hard to give your employees everything that, I mean, that's one of the reasons I needed to get out of being a boss because I couldn't give my staff everything. Our margins were not that good because we don't get to price how much the therapy costs is sort of like market driven, which while your product is too, but Mm -hmm. at any rate, how do you do it? How do you do it? I found it was too hard for me to do. I just felt bad all the time and needed to leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do we do it? We do it the best that we can. I mean, we're a, it's just Lane and I. We are a small team and we contract everything else oh, that we need. Oh, so you don't have employees. We don't. I mean, we, have, we <laughs> have had an employee in the past. Mm-hmm. We have an intern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. It does. It does. And quite honestly, it doesn't always mean that like sometimes we have to not pay ourselves if we we're having a, a right. tough month, right? Because yep. that's, that's that's how, how it goes. goes. And so we are, yeah, we are small team. So that is one way we do it. Yeah. And the other the other way we do it is we just we make it work when yeah. we have to. But yeah, you're I absolutely hear you. That is a real thing, especially when you're trying to be values led and ethical about how you are doing business. Right. When you see cost of goods and mm-hmm. shipping and everything is increasing. Yeah. And even if our margins are good, we're still we're still impacted by all of that right, stuff. Right. But to answer your former question about like how we're yeah. an ethical business, we are our number one value is community wealth building. Hmm. By that I mean we want to put our money back into the local economy as much as we possibly hmm. can. And we do that in a few ways. One of the ways that we love the most is by supporting our farm partners, hmm. our local farmers. So we a lot of them are our neighbors and our friends, and hmm. we source ingredients from them for our flavor. So every flavor we produce is a partnership with a Wisconsin farm. Uh, We source packaging from Wisconsin companies, and then we co-pack with Wisconsin companies as well. So we try to just be really mindful of the impact our dollars can have within our local community. Yeah. yeah. Well, something I was talking about with a friend the other day was in order to 
in order to shift things to a more matriarchal way of being in this country is not for women to just step into leadership roles and act as if we're men, you know, doing things in the same mm -hmm. way. So what you're describing, the word that came up for me around that, and it's tourist season, so it makes sense, is nurturing. <laughs> yes. It feels yeah. very... Yes, like I, I, and I don't mean this in like a literal sense, but there's a like motherly quality to that, like giving back to literally the earth that you are resourcing from. Yeah. Yeah. What, what comes mm -hmm. up for you as I say that? Yeah. I mean, it totally is mothering. It's taking care mm -hmm. of, it's knowing that you're not the only one in the room yeah. too. Right. And we don't want to, we want to have a place in the room, but we don't want to dominate yeah. the room. It's like we want to support. And we want to lift others up and we want to bring people alongside of uh, alongside of us right. instead of us getting ahead. And in a lot of ways, that stopped us from growing in a way that people think we should be growing. And right. we're okay with that. And, yes. and sometimes it's more challenging than other times, but we've really started to think hard about like what we want out of this company. And even though we've had a really strong value set since the beginning, things change and the world's changing around us. And, and that has really yeah. guided us. And um, here's what I'll say. We didn't know we were starting a beverage company mm. when we launched mm. this business. We were just like, it was just a, a project. Mm -hmm. It was um, shrubs were a drink mm -hmm. mixer. And then we started to make these canned products too. So we make something called a sparkling shrub and we entered That's like what I've had and it's delicious. Thank you the full-blown beverage industry. Mm -hmm. And with that comes a lot of venture capital yeah. funding and like a lot of expectations of how things should be done. And we've done none of that. Like we have bootstrapped our entire business and we have made choices because we just want to be a lifestyle yeah. brand. We want to share shrubs with people, but we're not looking right. to be a unicorn, <laughs> if well, that makes sense. I mean, in that I'm hearing, like if you're just focused on putting out a good product and doing something that you're really proud of, then you're not competing. You are just doing good work. You nailed it. That's exactly, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what we want. And that's what we value. And that's that's what I mean by yeah. lifestyle brand is that we're not looking to like just go all in and like, I don't know, push anybody aside along right. the way to get to the top in the next three you're years. You're not fighting uh, Diet Coke. No, but in some ways you're fighting to like maintain <laughs> yeah. that small space. It right. feels like sometimes we're like, yeah, we're really like trying to hold down, yeah, <laughs> hold well, down the fort here. I mean, again, let's just look at it from like the lens of patriarchy and capitalism, right? Yeah. That is telling us that, yes, you need to be the best. You need to continue to grow and continue to make more profit. But that's not what makes us happy at the end of the right. day. Yeah. Like you mm -hmm. really just want to create something that you love, right? That you loved and you want others to be able to love it. And there's yep. enough for everyone. Good God. Yeah. There are how yeah. many millions of people in this world? Like there are plenty of people to drink every drink. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I am such a not competitive person that I just, I will never understand that mindset. Yeah, but isn't it hard to even fight back against those systems that are in place. Like even though you're doing something that's small or seemingly not mm -hmm. small, it's big yeah. in our world, but it's it's small in the grand scheme of, and it's not hurting anybody. It's supporting yeah. all these things that we value and love, but it still comes with this set of challenges that seem like climbing a mountain sometimes. Yeah. I mean, my industry being different than yours, I'm trying to think like, how, how would I respond to that? Like I... In the choices that I made in the business, because, you know, I, I just sold my business to the executive director. So she was somebody in-house. 
I'll just be very transparent with everybody. I did not receive a check in order to do this. I am getting paid over time, but like there's no funding. I did. I have not gotten paid yet for this. I chose to okay. sell it to her because I want it to go to her, right? Like that's yeah. how I put my values. I want a black woman to run the show. That's what I want, you know, and yeah. she wants awesome. it, right? So, you know, we created like, so it's a self-funded deal. An untraditional right, right. partnership. Exactly. And my, my my lawyer was like, why the hell are you doing this? Why would you sell this business to somebody who can't? And it's it's not that she can't get funding. The biz, Whatever. We lost money last year, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But I was like, because this is her business now. It just is. Mm-hmm. I just like respected mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I had other people say, oh, yeah, I've had, you know, venture capital approach me and, you know, offer me a million dollars for the business. I'm not over the you know however many years i'm going to get paid I, that, not nearly that but i don't care you know that wasn't the driver yeah and i guess for me i mean clearly like look at me i don't really care on some level like what people think about some of the choices that i make and because probably there are more women in my industry it's probably easier for me to make that choice and because my industry is you know emotions forward <laughs> right like everyone assumes a therapist is mm-hmm. going to lead with emotions i i think i get i have created a life for myself and the people around me that are like oh yeah of course that's what you're doing you know like nobody was surprised that i'm not getting millions of dollars <laughs> sure. for this company even though i worked my ass off for it so i imagine that you're just up against things that are a lot different than i am and and probably a lot more brick walls yeah, but it's similar. Uh, some some of the things that you just said. I just had a conversation with another beverage company owner who was recently acquired, and mm-hmm. I we just wanted to understand like how yeah. if that is yeah. a path we ever travel, how is that? Mm-hmm. How does that work? And she was so lovely and transparent, and it was exactly the type of relationship that you're describing. Good. It wasn't. It wasn't big money buyout. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a land contract, and yeah. she was a customer that just loved loved this product mm. and, and had so much passion for it and wanted to carry it on to the next thing. Mm. And that gave me a lot of hope just that we can do, we can do those untraditional things. Yeah. That is really cool. Cause I, I wouldn't think that, you know, in, in your industry necessarily, somebody could buy it, you know, without it being a venture yeah. capital. Cause it right. seems, it seems like expensive. And we weren't sure that that was right. possible either. It totally is. I mean, if you want like, if you want to think about just what, uh, Freight load of cans, empty yeah. cans cost for one flavor is $25,000. And so, wow. If you have five flavors or more, and we do things much yeah. smaller than that, but in order to scale to that right. level, you need just millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. And, um, yeah. We're just not right. <laughs> wow. That sounds exhausting. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, kind of going back to the idea of the labor movement, I, I think that. And again, I am for workers getting paid, right? Like, fuck Amazon, fuck Starbucks, fuck all those companies that are exploiting their workers. I'm going to venture a guess that most small businesses are not doing that. And, you know, folks that are looking for jobs are not recognizing the, the overhead really that goes into especially a business like yours or a restaurant, right? Like, oh, yeah. and I certainly, I want my, I want my servers to get paid more and I want the small business owners to be supported by our government, right? In order to be able to provide, yeah. right? Like how can most businesses provide a living wage if all, like you said, the the cost of uh, materials and, you know, whatever else is so high. Yeah, right. And it's all it's also about perceived value, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that shift for 
the majority of people to recognize the things that make their life vibrant mm-hmm. are these little mon pa mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. businesses and restaurants that you love to go mm-hmm. to on the weekends and 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 there's some work to be done there. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of fields. Oh not, yeah. Not just I mean, yeah. I mean, in uh, I don't know, maybe I'm like thinking that other countries somehow do it better, but I just haven't had any experience. But the I think the capitalism yeah, in the United States either. is just very particularly mm, yeah. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> I can say we there because I know Lane mm, would agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder if we should shift to some of the the healer talk. And I'm I'm really curious. And I guess before, you know, asking about you in particular, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts about the healing nature of food and beverage hmm. and how, what role that's maybe played in your life. Yeah, I think the healing nature in food and beverage for me in particular is the building of in the industry, the building of confidence and and having to like really dig into my own insecurities mm-hmm. and how they show up when I show up in spaces through this business, mm-hmm. having worked through that has been quite healing. And sometimes it surprises me where it shows up, where those insecurities show up, mm-hmm. things I think I've I've overcome bubble back up. And it is because in entrepreneurship, as I'm sure you know, you wear all the hats yes. and you are you have to be the expert in everything. And yes. you are I mean, I am absolutely not in a lot of things. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. Google becomes my best friend sometimes because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm yeah. doing. And every day is a new yeah. challenge. Chat GPT now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Would you be willing to unpack a little bit more of that? Because I've talked ad nauseum on the podcast about how being a business owner helped heal me. And I'd love to hear like some of the particular things that have like showed up for you that you've worked through. Yeah. Some of my insecurities are around not being good Mm -hmm. enough or smart enough or capable Mm -hmm. enough. And in an entrepreneurship role, you have to show up. You have to show up because if you don't show up, nobody else is going to show up. For you. And that is not to say I, we have amazing support yeah. systems. And I've also that's also been part of my healing is knowing that I don't I don't have to be the expert in everything. Mm. And it's OK to say I don't I don't understand this and I need to find somebody that does. I also am so fortunate and it's been so healing to work with my best friend in yeah. in a world where we're not necessarily supported in that way in our jobs. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have the words to describe how it feels to be in a business partnership with somebody that loves you. Yes. It's just a whole nother level because you can be yourself fully. And so in that healing, it's been being able to show up exactly who Mm -hmm. I am uh, and and being honest about that because I can't hide it from her first and foremost because it's just the two of us and the the job has to be like completed. And so Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. insecure or incapable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that bubbles over and, and we take a moment and we tackle it together. And since forming the business together, we had one rule and it was that we have to put everything out on the table, no matter how uncomfortable it is, Mm. or we're not going to survive. Our friendship's not going to survive this. And so we have done that. And there has been moments that have been really hard, but we always come out on the other side, having learned something, having Mm. felt stronger and, and being loved through it all, all the hard stuff. Wow. Two things that come up for me around that. One is that, do you know who Resma Menicum is? Mm-mm. He's a, a psychotherapist and an author and a teacher. He's a black man. And so he does a lot of anti-racism work. And I've been going through one of his training programs. And in a, in a webinar recently, one of the things that they talked about was that communities of color often, whenever there's like accountability, there's an assumption that love is there. 
that no matter what hard stuff we're going to go through, we're going to, you know, maybe you've really fucked something up and I'm going to tell you that you did it. But but there's this understanding that there's love, that you love one another. And then that makes me think, too, of marriage, right? I think business partnership, there's except for the sex, there's not much. There's so many through lines. We call each other our business wives for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) And whenever I've worked with people who are struggling in their relationship, a lot of the issues are because there's not the trust that love is online. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'll never forget this one client was just like telling me about like the war. He, he'd like get suited up for battle with his wife. And I was like, you love this person. And he like really that like shook him and he's like, oh my, you're right. I'm getting ready for battle with this person that I love. And so I am just so happy to hear you say like we decided we love each other Mm -hmm. and that's the foundation for all of the work that you do. That's just, I I love it. Thanks. Yeah, it's been, I think if I had to say that there was one thing that's been the most healing, it's that. It's mm. learning that there's a world that that exists mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. our business and personal life. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. many of us come from families where, I mean, and this kind of goes back to what I was learning in the webinar is, uh, so this was like a breakout for just the white people in this anti-racism work. Sure. And they were talking about in white culture, what is often created is like, we're saying we love you. This is what the family mm-hmm. is saying, but you might not feel that that's what's happening because there is this like competition or whatever ickiness that can be there within white culture. Yeah. So uh, it is healing to find somebody who unconditionally loves you. And unconditional love doesn't mean I don't ever tell you that you hurt my feelings or you fucked up. Right. (laughs) Wow. Because there's a lot of that, but it is, it's a safe, it's safe. Right, right, right. And that, yeah, because one of the things that has been irking me as of late is, I guess the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Insistence on creating safe space. There is technically no safe space unless like what you're mm. describing, right? We are creating a culture of love. There, Then there is safety in that knowing. And this is a, another kind of random funny thing, but my husband and I are polyamorous. And okay. we made the decision when we decided to start that lifestyle that we would we know that we will hurt each other. Mm. And mm-hmm. as long as we know that we love each other and that we are committed to being honest with each other and talking through everything, then everything's fine. And it's just like you said, there's been roller coasters and all sorts of things that have happened. But having that love, having that trust and that willingness to continue to work through hard things, that's it. Makes it possible. It is it. Right. Mm-hmm. Lane said in a podcast with Aggie the other day on that Mindy lives in her body and I live in my head. Mm. And that's how we work well together. Mm. And again, healing. Sometimes yeah. someone that you have that close of a relationship to to hear that. Like I felt very seen in that moment. Yeah, I bet. Because nobody's ever described it for me in that way. Because I do live mm. in my body. I am a mover. I'm a shaker. I'm like, I need to get things done Mm. on my I just am I live in my body and Mm. I've never had anybody say that and so I think also Mm. again having having a business partner that's also your best friend and loves you can tell you things you can learn things about yourself yeah in ways that that you wouldn't otherwise yeah it's I, I always I would love if there were a way we could create a mirror that actually reflected back to you what people see like people who love you right yeah because 
a lot to of be beautiful, right? Be a beautiful human, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of us grow up in families where the mirroring that we're receiving is off for whatever reason, and that creates a lot of the wounding that much of us are are dealing with and you know work through the rest of our lives. So to have that mirror that's not just reflecting back the I guess obvious things, but right these like enhancing the qualities that are so beautiful about us that we really almost can't see about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lucky thing. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, with all this healer talk, I'm I'm just curious if you would consider yourself a healer or a wounded healer. Can you give me definitions? No. No. The whole point is to hear how you define it. <laughs> but I consider myself a healer. You can't do it wrong. Yeah. I think I'd consider myself both, if that's a fair answer. Yeah. And tell I, me more. And I say that because I am a wounded healer, like Mm -hmm. still in process of healing, Mm -hmm. always, I think. But I also think just as humanity, we are healers as well, right? For each other. And that's a part of our Mm -hmm. our duty in some ways. And and hopefully, I think through our lived experience and also our ability to just listen and Mm -hmm. we can heal in a lot of ways. So I guess I would say both. Good. I love it. I love when people claim that because I agree with you. I I do think – I think we all have the opportunity to step into healership in whatever realm we're in, right? Like sometimes – like I've had a couple like financial consultants on the show and it's not because they do numbers, right? Numbers are not inherently healing, but the way they support (laughs) people in working with numbers, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, I would argue that numbers are – someone that knows numbers would be very healing (laughs) because I wouldn't have to (laughs) put the energy towards. Yeah. Well, and that goes to Aggie, I was just going to say too, right? Like she's in a very capitalistic driven industry and and when, so Raelle is, who just purchased the practice, when Raelle and I signed up to work with her, well, to work with the agency that she works for, we said, first of all, we want someone either queer or a person of color, because we knew that somebody who was marginalized in some way would get the way that we think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet with numbers, Aggie has been so helpful in like, not only teaching Raelle what she needed to know to feel comfortable taking over the business, but like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing when it comes. I don't know what margins are. And Aggie's going to be like (laughs) face palm with that one. But And she and I are trying to put together a a webinar that's financial literacy for therapists because that's not a thing that therapists know. And clearly maybe there needs to be one for the food and beverage industry too, right? Probably every industry. (laughs) Probably, right. Every single industry. (laughs) But anybody can be a healer. It just is if you tap into that energy or not, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a lovely conversation we're having. Yeah, this is lovely. Yeah. So first, tell people how they find your products. And if you happen to know, I, I could look up the Chicago area because we've got a ton of Chicago listeners. So I want to make sure people can like rush out and go buy your beverages. Mm-hmm. But yeah, t- tell us where we find all of your stuff. Best way is to go to our website, just sirenshrubs.com. And at the very bottom, we have a where to buy where you can pop in your zip code and it will populate stores mm-hmm. near you. We suggest you call ahead if it's a long drive just to make <laughs> sure that they have it on their shelf. Or you can order directly from us and it will just show up at your door. Which that's what I did. The tart cherry. Holy shit. That one is, that one's our bestseller. That and the basil. And I will say we have a jalapeno lime coming out. Ooh, my husband might like that. I'm a, I have weird food things. Okay. But yeah. Well, 
It's a good one for those that like spice. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I, I guess the, the last question is just given, I mean, we've kind of gone all over the place today, but is there anything else that's like kind of sparking inside of you based on this conversation that you want to leave listeners with? I think I just really appreciate that you've carved out space for these types of conversation, especially in the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. world. I think there is such a a lie that's told mm-hmm. about how entrepreneurship needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I also think we don't talk about how hard and mm-hmm. <laughs> how there's a, there's a lot of burnout and a lot of false expectations and there's ways to do it differently. Yeah. And I, I just really appreciate having open conversations about how those ways aren't necessarily not challenging, but there are different ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the biggest pieces of feedback I've gotten from folks, at least early on in the podcast was like, oh, I thought I was like too fucked up to be a therapist or this and that. And I, I think as I've moved into my own ownership of, yes, I'm a business owner, like I'm an entrepreneur. I think a lot of the conversations have been talking about entrepreneurship. And I, I hope that, listeners now are like, A, I'm not too fucked up to be a therapist, and B, maybe I could be an entrepreneur too if that's something that I really want for myself. Mm-hmm. By hearing the, you know, folks who are doing it differently and like you're doing it with love, which is healing. Mm-hmm. Like all this shit, you could, entrepreneurship could be healing if you really want it to be, if you lead with your heart. If you lead with your heart and you have the right supports in place and you yeah. don't have to have everything figured out to start. Right. Because leading with your heart doesn't mean that you're making you're going to make dumb decisions. It just means that's going to be on the table. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's a great way to say it. Mm -hmm. Well, anything else? No, I just a a little plug for the business is we did just launch a series of virtual workshops around making because Lane and I started our friendship in the kitchen and that's our favorite place to be. So in order to carve out the time to continue to do that for our friendship and our our happiness, we are launching a series of workshops called At the Table with Siren Shrubs, where we're inviting people into the kitchen with us to do things like sourdough pizza making and cocktail making and non-alcoholic cocktail making. That's so fun. Yeah. It should be a good time. And I think you'll just, it will be more of a community space than anything else. Awesome. So is that going to be like a virtual thing or is this? It'll be virtual and we'll send you a grocery list so you'll know in advance what you need if you want to cook along with us. And you can find that on our website as well. So cool. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for doing what you do. Seriously, this has been great. Well, thank you. Thanks to our guest for an amazing conversation today. To find out more about today's guest, you can visit www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. You can find Sarah at at headheartbiztherapy on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find Anne at at spareroomwellness or spareroomwellness.com. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.